words on water. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. I'm the host, Travis Liu. This episode is part of a new series from WEF looking at diversity and the water sector. For these episodes, I am joined by a co-host who is my colleague at WEF. Hello, I'm Rakia Nance and we'll be co-hosting this series. Initially, these episodes will focus on social justice and equity issues for Black Americans as they pertain to the water sector. Then we will explore other issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We will talk to a variety of people from across water, different occupations, different points in their careers, different ages, different places, different races. Our goal is to have open, candid conversations, and we hope that this dialogue can help raise awareness about problems and solutions, enabling us to move forward together and build equity. This episode's guests are Jackie Gerald. She is president of the Water Environment Federation and interim deputy director at Charlotte Water. Jackie, how are you doing? Great, how are you today? Good. We also have Nikita Lingenfelter. She is speaker elect of the House of Delegates for WEF and an engineer with the State of Nevada Department of Environmental Protection. Nikita, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, so glad to be here. And we have Steven Sanders. He is director and head trainer at the Environmental Training Center at Morrisville State College and a great follow on Twitter. Steven, how are you? We're doing good. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for including me. Excellent. We'll get started with the questions. Um, my first question is for Jackie. Uh, over the fast, past few months, we've seen Several organizations react and respond to the ongoing protests against uh, racial injustice. How has REF responded to these events? Well, um, I think that we are trying to actively respond. And as you, you all may have seen, I'm sure you probably did, the WEF Board of Trustees issued a public statement in early June. And that statement was in support for peaceful protests and a call for change to the racism and the inequalities that exist and are experienced every day as we see. And um, that's something that is really important that while we made that statement and we felt it was important we made that statement, we also felt that it was very important that we take action following that. We were very fortunate this year because our, we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force that both Nikita, who was one of the, the main leaders, she was our chair, and Stephen Sanders um, also, who was part of the task force, so thank you to both of them. They uh, did work very diligently this year, and they started ahead of a lot of the things we started hearing about this spring, but it helped us to really start engaging in some activities and moving forward quickly. For example, one of the things that we're doing is um, we are um, putting together a board level committee that will be part, will provide some guidance to the board, uh, will provide some guidance to WEF. And we felt like that was really important because we felt that not only do we need to look externally at our water workforce and how we can support 
D, E, and I, but we also need to look internally and to see what the culture is internally and understand that it's so important that DEI is part of the fabric of what WEF is all about. So we felt like this, this board level committee will help us to do that. The other thing was there were a number of recommendations that the task force brought to us actually early because initially the recommendations would have come out later this year. So we were very pleased to get those recommendations early. And the other one was to engage with a DEI consultant who could help us put together a strategy or a plan for the recommendations that are outlined um, in, in, uh, by the task force. So that was another action that we're taking. I will tell you also that um, there are a number of other things um, that we're trying to do, things like an operator uh, spotlight. We're trying to do some different things to, to uh, take some action. These, the series of podcasts that we're having is another way to have some candid discussions about the issues around racism and inequalities that are occurring all around us and that we see every day and that some of us experience every day. So I think that is a huge thing to be able to have those kinds of conversations and help people learn and understand. I will also tell you that the board is very committed to learning. And um, this past week when we had our board meeting, we invited the uh, DENI task force to do a board development exercise with us. And that, again, was to help us really understand how people might feel and what kinds of things happen and how to think about things. And it was really just for us to continue to learn. I think all of us are trying to learn and to understand. And so some of these actions that we're trying to take to do are helping us to, to be more understanding, more open, and be able to take further action as we, as we go. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, Jackie mentioned, Nikita, that you are part of this uh, Workforce Diversity and Inclusion Task Force, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about what the task force has done for the past year and, you know, where you're, what your kind of overall recommendations are for ways that WEF can move forward in these areas. Yes, thank you, Travis. I absolutely can speak on that, as the WEF president just mentioned. We have been having biweekly meetings, and I say we, I mean the DNI task force, since October 2019 to come up with recommendations to give to the Board of Trustees. After a lot of calls and conversations, we realized that we really needed to have an in-person meeting and a workshop just to get some of our tasks accomplished. This was a very big ask, and we just need to make sure we meet in person, have those uncomfortable conversations face-to-face instead of over the phone. We had our facilitated meeting and workshop in February, and from the workshop, we came up with a list of quick wins that WEF could do right away, and we also came up with some long-term goals and recommendations. Overall, we delivered over 100 recommendations to the Board of Trustees, but one of the main takeaways that we took from the workshop is that we really needed to work, look internally at WEF before we really focus on the water workforce and on itself. So because of that, WEF staff is undergoing DNI training and also unconscious bias training. We also need to do work with the House of Delegates and the Committee Leadership Council for all the committees that WEF has. We want to make sure that we have a well-diverse and a representative group of people working and volunteering for WEF that reflects our entire membership. And also, as Jackie mentioned, some of the main recommendations that came from the task force is having a permanent committee 
that reports to the West Board of Trustees for DNI initiatives and activities. It's not something that can be done in a year. This is something that's ongoing, always changing, and we always need to work on that. We always need to better ourselves and see what's going in the outside world and trying to evolve and be a part of that and always having conversations with it, seeing how we can do and what we can do to help. And also having a DNI consultant to help us come in, see what we can do, see where we can change and see how we can help inside of WEP, help our member associations, and also help with the entire water workforce. And when we talk about the, the water workforce, we know that that entails a variety of people. Um, that said, Stephen, what reaction or conversations have you heard about this within the training and operator community? Um, it's, it's interesting. I was looking at, I was thinking about this question. And one of the things that, um, unfortunately, we've been shut down since all this has started. So there has been no training. Um, I haven't spoken to a lot of operators, but I tell you what I would like to see. <laughs> um, right now we're at a point of awareness and, and awareness cannot just be a hashtag. It cannot just be uh, a phrase or something you put on your t-shirt. We're at the point of awareness. And what I would like to see behind that is support. Um, I, I think of a number of operators who have come through my class, who come through a lot of my classes, I should say, where their municipality is looking for an operator, but would not pay for them to come through the class. And this is a, this is a minority, right? An underrepresented person. And this person had to come out of their pocket to pay for the class to try to qualify for the job that their own municipality was advertising for the job, but would not support them. And so we're, we're, at, a, we're at a place of awareness, but I, I would like to see the support in kick in a little bit more. Um, this individual, he paid out of pocket. We, we ended up giving him a scholarship to all of our classes, um, but I've seen it more than once. And it's like, understand what, equity means. We're not all coming from the same starting point, right? And so if we really want to achieve equity, we have to be a, perhaps a little bit more deliberate as far as how we give support. Now, it makes a lot of sense, Stephen. Um, I do want to ask you and Nikita a bit about your journey in, in the water workforce, your journeys as, as Black Americans. Um, you know, what the experience has been like, you know, I was looking at a report on how, you know, 85% of the water workforce is male, you know, two thirds are white, you know, are, are white. And I just hope you could kind of each talk a little bit about, about your journey as black Americans in this, in this water workforce and, you know, your observations, especially just in light of everything that's happened, um, you know, with the past few months, maybe Nikita, if you could start out. Absolutely. Uh, as you all know, I am an engineer at the state of Nevada for water pollution control, and I have a chemical engineering background. And so just engineering in general, it's very, as far as diversity goes, it's, it's not very diverse. And so I've always gone to schools and just always grown up in an atmosphere where I have been part of a very underrepresented group. 
And so coming from that, I'm very used to being around different people that have different viewpoints and walks of life from me. So that's just a norm. And because that's normal for me, I don't really know anything different. And coming from the state of Nevada, where I would say diversity is not the forefront of issues or just just the forefront in general, um, I wouldn't, I don't, I can't really speak on how my experience would be different if it was shed in a different light. But I, I thought my, I have had a very great experience working and being an engineer and being an engineer and working for the state. As for getting into WEF, I started in the member association. I went through the chairs kind of by default. I started as secretary. The secretary had to step away and I took her spot. So uh, as by default, I just went through the chairs. And when I became president, I saw that RMA could use a lot of, we needed a lot of work. We could make some changes. Uh, one of the major changes I made was in the five S that's the, where after lots of years of volunteering, you become a member of the society of the shovel. Um, I don't know the technical term, but <laughs> they they could use a lot of work on that. And one of the things was I knew that I was going to be submitted. My name was going to be pushed out there to accept this award and how you get that award is you have to go through a series of funny activities. And I knew I would be very uncomfortable in front of just the entire body of just people that didn't look like me, people that come from my walks of life doing some tasks that would have them laugh at me. I felt very uncomfortable doing that. So I let my voice be known that I was not gonna do this. This should change for the Nevada Water Environment Association, and this is not something that's acceptable. People can get very uncomfortable of people not looking like them, just laughing at them for, and it may be fun, but in, for me, for my spirit, that would not be fun. And so because of that, we did get that changed, and we no longer do that. It's more of a, this is a great opportunity. It's a great experience. It should be great. We should have honor to it. So now it's very professional, very organized, and I'm very happy that that was changed. And I think because of that, uh, one of the past presidents of WEF, Rick Warner, he saw that I was able to come in and not be afraid to change how things have been in the past. And he asked me to be a part of the larger WEF Environmental Environment Federation. So I did apply to become a, in the House of Delegates, and I did that and moving my way up there. And now becoming speaker, I'm seeing a lot of changes that we can make there. And I'm just not afraid to get my feet dirty, get my hands wet and make those necessary changes without thinking, oh, what's someone going to think of me? Well, how will they feel about this? That doesn't matter to me. What I know is that I can see that I can help make some changes. I can be a voice of change and I'm going to do that no matter how I look or how I'm perceived. I will do what's right. Well, we need that attitude and, and uh, approach more than ever. So it's awesome to have your leadership um, at, at the core of WEF's organization right now. Um, Stephen, I want to turn that, the question to you. Um, you know, what's, what's your career in water been like as a, as a Black American, and, and how has that been for you? I, I think about this because I struggle between a couple different different things here. I, I realize that even though we still walk uh, the same surface of the earth, 
my journey is going to be different from that of a white American. It just is. As far as uh, opportunities, as far as leadership positions, I know that for me to even be considered, I feel like I got to be above and beyond what other applicants might actually bring to the table. And I hate that. I hate it from the standpoint of, because at the same time, you know, we, we think about racism, right? A lot of times we think about racism, we only think about racism on the part of white Americans, right? Um, but at the same time, can I be, uh, can I have a conscious, an unconscious bias toward white Americans? I think it was a, it was a brilliant line. It was, it was funny. It was, I think it was um, Chris Rock. And he's like, you know, he was talking with another white American and he mentioned that if you were to stab me in the neck right now, I should have seen it coming. So do we, do we expect, do we expect racism? And if we do, that unconscious bias plays a role in our own head. But at the same time, you, I go back and forth between what is me being racist toward white Americans or what is conditioning? That's Pavlov, right? Um, what, what has been our experience? in this country. Um, I know I'm married to a white woman. I know that if I send her into the restaurant before me, she's going to get a better table than if I went into the restaurant. In our industry, it, it has been a struggle. I, I can tell you that for a fact. It has been a struggle. And, and so I'm glad we're at this point now where there is awareness. And I think we have to also figure out the nuts and bolts as far as what support means. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I, I lend a hand to everyone else behind me. There hasn't been a lot of, I can't tell you very many mentors that I had that look like me, but I, I, I do think that we need to lend a hand to uh, others that are coming up in this space and in this, this area where it's just, I mean, you just, you, just don't, you just don't have it. You just don't see people who look like you. And, and, and again, you know, without being racist myself and trying to deal with conditioning based upon what I've already experienced. Uh, Stephen, both Stephen, you and Nikita um, mentioned people who look like you or the lack thereof in some of these spaces and areas. So how do you think the, the way that WEV has identified and enlisted volunteers contributed to the lack of equity that we see. I'll speak on that. Uh, it's hard to know. WEF has been around for how long, Jackie? Is it over 100 years? Close, yeah. Yeah, and just as an organization as a whole, um, mm -hmm. it's sometimes hard to change, and change is never easy in anyone. It's always hard to look inside yourself to see how, what can we do, what can we do different to bring in more people and more different walks of life. And because of that, especially it starts with the member associations, there's a lot of old traditions, a lot of old things that are going on. And if they, if someone doesn't from the outside come in and tell them, hey, let's try something different, something different might not happen. And I don't know if it's hard. I don't know if member associations look in, within themselves to say, you know, let's change, let's try to get in more people from different avenues and different walks of life. And because of that, it's, hard to 
say how we can change our thinking, but we have to, this is why we have the task force. This is what we're doing right now. We're going to help with those MAs. We're going to help with those states and the leaders out there that need help. They need help. How, what can they do? They need help just trying to figure out what to do. It's hard to do things on your own. So we want to be there to really help them figure out how to change and what they can do. And with the DNI consultant, we will have a lot of resources out there to help those member associations and WEF really think of new ideas to bring in new people and different, different walks of life from around the nation and internationally as well. I was listening to um, both what Stephen was saying and Nikita and one of the things that comes to mind for me was I've always thought of myself as not being racist, um, just, you know, by the way I was socialized growing up um, and by my parents and the people that I was around and all of that. But I, I think it's important to recognize that we all do have these unconscious biases. And when we did the, last week when we did the um, the empathy mapping, which we did with the task force um, it, as part of our board development exercise, I felt like that was one of the most um, helpful um, exercises I've ever done because it really did raise that awareness that Stephen's talking about, Nikita's talking about. You can't really understand how someone feels if you're not in their shoes and really understand how they're receiving information, how they're, what kind of support is real support, unless you understand how they really feel. And just trying to have some empathy and understand that, I think would help people be more aware and would maybe help people think about things differently. So I, if, if there was a way that, I think that it would be, I think we need to do more training for all of our volunteer leaders at WEF, that kind of training, more kind of specific. Maybe it's with smaller groups, but I think the effort is necessary to help people really start thinking about, you know, am I being supportive? They might think they're being supportive, but being supportive, you know, is really being there for somebody and mentoring them and helping them and encouraging them because sometimes people don't feel like they can, um, they, they might not have the confidence, you know, especially if they're not seeing someone they, that looks like them or something like that. So it's important, I think, to be there and be that support, be that ear. And I don't know how to, the only way I know to help people do that is for them to really become more aware of how they're thinking about things and maybe thinking about it differently. And maybe that goes to our MA leaders too, because I know when I've traveled around to MA conferences and we talk about people say they want to change and they want to have, um, you know, integrate diversity, equity, inclusion activities and, and um, uh, education into their MAs, but sometimes they don't know how to do it, you know? And so somehow if we could provide some guidance for those kind of things, I think that would be, uh, extremely important to do. And that's how we can really do some outreach, an important outreach to our MAs and help them. And then that can extend, you know, this intentional action of helping people to be more aware so that we can, you know, continue to move along a little bit better than we are. Just feel like it's, it's a, 
it's a kind of a long road, but I think we can move it a little faster if we do some of those kind of things. And Katie, you had shared your story of um, when you were inducted into the 5S Society and you were uncomfortable with what that induction ceremony involved and that you expressed that you were uncomfortable with it. What reaction did you get to that? Because that, I would imagine, would be a huge change. Um, it's a longstanding tradition um, that from what it seems like until you said something, nobody had expressed that they had an issue with. Yes, and thank you for that question. It's a great question. Um, I don't think anyone really expressed any issues with it. Like, as I said, um, Nevada is not a very diverse state. Um, our member association is not very diverse. So it's one of the only African-American members of NWEA. I can see why no one's brought that up before because they haven't had a person of color there receiving this award and this um, honor. So the reaction was very negative. People were not happy. People do not like change. So it did not go over well. But I did have a lot of support behind me as well. And because of that support, we were able to overcome that. And we did over we're still overcoming it. It's still a challenge. Uh, we haven't had another ceremony since then, but the next one will be, will be great. We will, it will be very, as I spoke before, it'll be very professional, very organized. Um, but people were very upset by it. They thought that, you know, this is tradition. This is how it always was. This is how it always should be. And why are you complaining about it? Everybody else was fine. And so, um, I explained to them exactly why. And I think after I explained to them, a lot of people did see where I was coming from. They did not know, they didn't, they weren't walking in my shoes. They had no idea how I felt and how this could be perceived against me having a, a room of white people laughing at me. They just didn't get it. So after explaining and some understanding, most everyone came around, a few haven't, but that's okay. We still need to move forward as organization and if we have to move without you, we will. So <laughs> we did. And um, thank you for asking that question. It was not, it didn't go over well, but because of the support I had and after explaining and understanding, it, it's, it's a little better now. Just a quick question. And I'm going to throw this back out to um, Jackie and Travis, you know, um, one of the things that uh, we, we, we have a diversity inclusion task force, DE&I task force in New York as well. And now we have this movement and really it shouldn't be a movement. It should, it should have been a lifestyle, right? Um, but I'm curious as to from your, from your lens, cause let's have a real conversation from your lens. What makes this time different then let's say a year ago, mm. what do you see that's different from like a year ago? Why now is everyone wants to, wants to get involved? Because we've had individuals like Mr. Floyd um, who have been killed before. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious of that. My, this is my thought. And, and honestly, un, unfortunately, it's because there was there was finally, you know, people were, I think, finally showed how upsetting and how horrible this whole situation was, not just with George Floyd, but we had two other individuals in the last three months. And I think it just got to where pe it, people are at their end with it. And unfortunately, 
um, you're right. It should never be like, why is now better than last year? It should always have been something that was important that we should have moved along. I think because it was so visible um, this year that it just gave us the impetus to do something. And I, I feel like it, it's an opportunity that we, we need to take advantage of. Like we need to take the opportunity and make and move things forward faster than they've been going over. If you think about over the last few years, I mean, there was, I think some change a long time ago, a little bit, and then some, and then not a lot of change since then, a little bit here and there, but not, not really what needed to happen. So now here's our opportunity to really make it happen and to, to make those changes, even though they were always important before. It just, the awareness or the visibility of it was so much bigger now. If you, you think about all the protests all around the world, even. I mean, they were everywhere. And all of us were, felt something from that. You know, there was, it, I just think that that's what it was. I just, you know, and so we can't let it drop now is the thing. We got to keep it going and we have to keep working. And, and Stephen, I mean, I agree with a lot of um, what you said, Jackie. I think a, a couple things, um, you know, in this day of smartphone cameras and social media and the ability to see these horrible unacceptable incidents to get to see a white police officer nail, kneel on a black man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds while the guy is calling out. Well, there's no justification for that. I mean, <laughs> it's deeply upsetting. And I think a lot of, you know, being able to see these things like that, actually, rather than just read a story about something, is really impacting people. Um, seeing that uh, that man jog, take over a jog in his neighborhood, right? And see a truck stop <laughs> and these guys get out and and shoot the guy. Like it's, it's just outrageous and you can see it. And that's just, you know, I think people have a lot of stronger reaction to that. Mm -hmm. um, certainly we're at a boiling, you get that boiling point, right? Things happen, things happen, things happen. And, and, and you reach a boiling point where the pot boils over and it's time to deal with it. Um, I also feel like uh, our country is going the wrong way. A lot of people feel that it has been going the wrong way on racism for the past couple years under certain leaders in this country where racism has been in, been enabled and condoned and allowed to come out of the shadows again. And that is not, that is not the country that, that I want. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, we're not going that way. You know, um, <laughs> we've come a long way. Yeah. We've got a lot further to go, but <laughs> we're not, we're not going to settle for going backwards. And that's what has been happening the past three years. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's just not, it's not acceptable, you know? And uh, I think as a parent, I, I, all, you always want the world to be better for your kids in every way. And I can't let this be part of the country for my kids. And they have to, they have to know, they have to hear me talk about it. 
and I think that's how a lot of a lot of parents feel, you know, and and they they have to hear, they have to hear uh, have their kids hear them stand up for these things. So that's some of my thoughts on it. I also like to say too, I one of the things that I think makes this different is that now there are different voices. Because you can have underrepresented groups, you can have minorities, we can all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, but we've been doing that for years. So when, when, I, when I see, you know, and, and Travis, <laughs> I put it back to you, I told you I was gonna ask you some questions. <laughs> so when we get these different voices, and one of the voices that we're looking at is from white America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's a voice that we never had before. And I think it's an important voice. Um, we need different voices. We need different perspectives uh, to bring to the conversation. And I appreciate what WEF is doing uh, with the DEI task force and with the committee. That's hopefully going to come to to you know fruition. And also to even this series of podcasts because we need different voices. And I appreciate WEF putting their foot in the door and actually taking that step. Yeah. I also wanted to add one more thing that I think is different. Um, I, while this is a continuation of just systemic racism that has been going on for generations, you know, I think each subsequent generation up until now has had these different types of horrific stories of police brutality and lynchings. But before, we, had a, we also had a lot of distractions and people could easily throw out, um, you know, these justifications, well, maybe if he had just complied or just obey the law. But what these videos have shown and continue to show is that that doesn't matter. You know, racism supersedes all of that. Here you have Ahmaud Aubrey who is taking a jog in his neighborhood. And you have these three men who decide to be judge, jury, and executioner when they have no right to be. So I think that these videos just make some of these justifications crumble. And, you know, we're all staying at home. We have fewer distractions. Mm. Whether you're scrolling on your phone or watching the news, these are the images you see. And it's very difficult, if not impossible, to ignore. Yeah, I agree, Rakia. And one of the things that also I think has been really helpful is to hear other people's stories. So, you know, we had these horrible events happen then you see other people that are in our country that have had their own experiences that have been sharing them on whether they're like news shows or other interviews, you know, people that we recognize as leaders in our country, even uh, that past leaders in our country, uh, people from, you know, um, all different walks of life are talking about worrying about their son going out at night by themselves. Um, Because they don't know, you know, what if they get stopped, they don't know what could happen. And hearing that and hearing that really makes you think about your even your own family that my family, my son didn't have to worry about that, or not that same way. And I think about as a mother, how that would feel, you know, so it really does bring that awareness when you start to hear those things and really understand And like Travis said, see, when you see what happened, it's absolutely, I can't, it's just emotionally upsetting. I, I can't even describe how horrible it feels. 
You guys, um, a, a number of times you've mentioned the importance of support uh, and that maybe as an, as let's start with an organization of WEF. Uh, if we want to increase the diversity of our membership, we especially want to increase the diversity of membership, increase the diversity in our uh, leadership and our, and our active volunteers at our state member associations, in our committees, in the higher rungs of leadership. You know, we want more black Americans involved and, and, and being influential. Um, what types of support should be provided to help make that happen? I think one of the things that we have to think about is, um, first of all, realizing again, that we don't all come from the same starting place. Um, systemic racism has handicapped a lot of black folks, has, has handicapped a lot of folks. And so sometimes we have to perhaps be a little bit more deliberate in how we go about it. Um, how I attended a conference not too long ago, and it was interesting how um, there was a couple of, of, of white males who, and this is, you know, this is proven. If you have a more diverse workforce, you will, you gain a different perspectives. It's good for business, right? But at the same time, is that why we're doing it? Because of the bottom line? We have to be incentivized because of business is good. That's why we're looking at different people. Um, I think one of the things that, that, that we can do is be a little bit more deliberate, but at the same time, value people. We have to value people. Uh, the ethics behind it. It's not just a matter of, let me get some different people in here so I can make more money. Um, but do we value people and what they bring to the table? And so maybe we have to be deliberate as far as where we recruit, um, who we ask. And, and sometimes, like for me personally, I was, I was surprised that someone reached out to me to be part of a task force on WEF. Um, I just didn't expect it. But that engagement Actually, it really helped. I, I, I'm willing to do more stuff with WEF. So do we have to be deliberate, a little bit more deliberate as far as reaching out to folks and, 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 and lending that hand to, to, to get that engagement from perhaps um, other diverse groups? Well, Stephen, before I let uh, maybe Nikita or Jackie chime in, I'd say to your exact point, you know, we're lucky to have you involved in that task force and hopefully other WEF stuff, not because you're increasing diversity for us by being a black American, but because you're a thoughtful, smart, knowledgeable guy, right? And that's what you're bringing. It's, it's, not, it's not about, you know, filling these numbers or something like that. And I never felt that, which was, which was really good because like I say, sometimes you can talk to other folks and that's their focus and they think they got it Oh. We're diverse, and it's going to help us business-wise. I never felt that from WEF. So, you know, again, but if it wouldn't have been for the hand or the phone call or whatever that someone reached out to me, I probably wouldn't have been involved. So I think, again, like I said, we need to be a little bit more deliberate as far as how we populate committees and task force and everything else. I agree as well. I was going to say we have to be absolutely intentional when we're going forward with this. If we especially I'm speaking from the House of Delegates side because I will be the Speaker of the House of Delegates. When we're trying to get new delegates coming in, I personally want to go out there and reach out to different delegates that I know that will be great assets 
that I know what they can bring to the table. And then those delegates, when they come in, will reach out to others and others. And it's just, I want to say it's a movement almost, bringing in those people that have very strong voices that can also reach out and inspire people to come in as well, not just sit back and watch and say, okay, I'm just trying to fill a seat here because they need some more numbers. It's not that at all. They need to come in. They need to be vocal. They need to inspire so other people want to follow in their path and their footsteps. Mm -hmm. I think it's a real opportunity too. like if you think about like the programs we have like inflow where we have students that are now being exposed to water uh, workforce jobs and um, to careers that we have an opportunity to engage those students in committees and activities that WEP has. And it's a, it's a way to, um, you know, for them to be one there, it's not just one person alone. You know, they're a group of people that they've gotten to know each other a little bit by coming together to WEF Tech and getting to know each other so that there's an opportunity there to continue to grow that program, but grow it into WEF. Our volunteer, our, um, excuse me, our leadership institute's another place that we could bring people in more intentionally. And I think there's opportunity, lots of opportunities there. Um, and again, like you're talking about, Nikita, with the HOD, with the WEF delegates going back to their MAs and kind of talking with their MAs, I, you hear about all the time, uh, whether it's WEF committees or MA committees, need. They need more people to help with different activities. So we, it does have to be intentional to reach out to people and ask them to help because people, I mean, I remember even being a young volunteer and being afraid to say anything on a committee or do anything. So you can imagine people don't feel like they're relating to, to the other people there. They're not going to necessarily speak up or feel like, you know, they should be involved in it or anything like that. So we definitely need to intentionally reach out. Well, and even Jackie, you know, like we said, 85% of the water sector is male, you know? Um, so, you know, you forge your way to leadership. So you're an example to others in that way. Just one last thought on that. I just want to say that for the people that we are bringing in, the ones that we're being intentional about, we want to let them know that they have a voice and don't sit back and be shy, especially for the young college students for the inflow. It, you need to come in and work and speak up. Don't be shy about it. You're here for a reason. That reason is to let your voice be known. You have a different perspective. You have different views and we need to know those views to grow as organization. So please come in. Don't be shy. Don't be quiet. You're here for a reason, not to fill a number. So want to make sure that everyone stays involved. I want to go back um, earlier in the conversation. Um, a lot of us has characterized these discussions around race and equity as uncomfortable conversations. But as an organization, you know, if we want to move forward with change, we have to, this is what we are and it might be uncomfortable, but why, why should an organization get comfortable being uncomfortable? Well, I mean, they, they call it growing pains for a reason, right? <laughs> if we want to grow, um, there might be some pain involved. Um, and, and I just think that's, that's part of, I remember working with a, with a guy, and he's like, you're trying to change me, you're trying to change me, you're trying to change me. It's like, no, I want you to grow. So even as an organization, um, growth sometimes is painful. Growth sometimes is uncomfortable, but that's growth. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're, you know, 
45 years old and still crawling around on the floor. You haven't learned how to walk. I mean, what's, <laughs> there's a problem there, right? Uh, you're comfortable with it. That's great. You're comfortable with it, but you haven't grown. And so growth is uncomfortable. So I, I think that's one of the main drivers as far as um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we should ever feel comfortable either. I feel like that's, you know, we should always be learning. We should always be challenging ourselves as an organization. And we should be, you, we should always be pursuing being a lead, the lead organization in the water sector. We should always do that. And so in order to do that, we have to keep changing. We have to keep learning on how we can be better. And, you know, in my opinion, one of the best things we can do is to be more diverse and um, be more inclusive. It, I don't think we can survive if we don't. I, I really don't. Because that's who, who, that is who we are. That is who we should be. I know that we could sit here and keep talking for quite some time. There's a lot more to, to cover uh, on this. Uh, and but the perspective from all three of you is incredibly valuable. Thank you for sharing it. Um, and we're hoping that this is just the start of, like we said, a series of really open, candid conversations. Uh, and, you know, we, we put ourselves out there and like uh, Rakia said, hope that it uh, helps in, in progress and helps us grow, like you said, Stephen. So um, thanks to all three of you for being on. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been amazing. Yes. Thank you for uh, starting the conversation. We appreciate it. Words on water.